0: This is Becoming, a podcast for teens, episode number six, Thresholds.
1: Hi there, and welcome to Becoming, a podcast for teens and young adults, where together we are becoming more than we are and who we were always meant to be. Each episode will feature different topics to enhance your growth, help you see the world differently, and discover who you really want to become. I'm your host, Tawny Beardall. I will be interviewing guests with unique experiences and experts in different fields to help us get the most out of each episode. I am so excited to introduce you to one of my favorite people. Meet Erica Peterson. When I first told Erica about my crazy idea to start this podcast, she immediately supported me and asked how she could help. She's a tech genius and is so full of light and wisdom. She's stepping out from behind the scenes today and is making her debut in the podcast world. She'll be leading us (laughs) in this next three-part series. So, Erica, what are you going to be talking about today? We are talking about... Granny
0: shots. Granny <laughs> shots.
2: Yes.
0: Tell me more. <laughs> I okay, what we're really talking about is thresholds. To illustrate what thresholds are all about, we're talking about granny shots in the NBA. Oh
1: <laughs> okay. that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> okay.
0: So okay. So basically when you asked me about this podcast and asked me what I was passionate about. I immediately just thought about the episode on this American life called choosing wrong. It talks about thresholds and it's all about making right and good choices, no matter what your external influences are. So thresholds are external influences. So it's basically the number of people who have to do something to get you to join in. So to illustrate this, we're actually talking about doing granny shots in the NBA. So Wilt Chamberlain, he holds the record for the highest-scoring NBA player ever. He scored 100 points in a single game, and nobody has come close to that record. So the closest is Kobe Bryant, and he scored 86 points in a game, and that was in 2006. Wow. Yes. And the way he did this is by shooting granny shots. So he was a super amazing player, super tall, super big and just an amazing player, but he shot granny shots because he was not a very good free-throw shooter. So he switched up his game, decided to shoot underhanded, hands straight out in front, granny shot. They had their most amazing game, and he shot and scored 100 points. He decided to stop doing it. So he had this huge record, And then changed his game and decided to stop doing what he knew was right for his game. He made the wrong choice on purpose. And Rick Barry is the other NBA player, and he shot underhanded, but he always did this. So in high school, he was practicing free throws. He actually was a pretty good free throw shooter. And his dad came to him and said, you know, you really should shoot underhanded. You're going to have a lot more control, and you'll be able to do better. And he immediately had the same feelings of fear and said, no, they're going to make fun of me. And he said, they can't make fun of you if you're making the shots. And that Mm -hmm. happened in a game. People were making fun of him. And then somebody called them out and said, why are you making fun of him? He's making all the shots. He doesn't miss. So he did it. And he did it throughout his whole career. And he had... One season where he missed nine shots and one season where he missed eight in the entire season. That's insane. So huge, huge percentages. He was the best free throw shooter. So Wilt Chamberlain is somebody with a low threshold. It probably wouldn't take even just a few people telling him he looks silly, but he just could not do it. He wasn't brave enough. He even admitted that it was the wrong choice. He said, I know I was wrong, but I just couldn't do it. Rick Barry is somebody who has not just a high threshold. He has a threshold of zero. He is not letting anyone externally influence him. He knows what is right and is going to do what is best for his game and what is best for his team. But if we think about it, I mean, probably none of us would shoot free throw shots underhanded because we just think it looks silly. But Rick Barry is somebody who has a threshold of zero. It doesn't matter that everybody else is shooting overhanded. He is shooting underhanded because he knows that it's the right thing to do. He wants to make the right choice. He is more influenced by his decision to do the right thing than he is by what other people think. And I love this idea because we know deep down what is right. And a lot of times we don't always follow that feeling. And I want to talk about that because I just feel like if we can try to be more true to ourselves more authentic. I love when you talked about our authenticity and I just feel like if we can be more authentic and do what's right, people will notice that because people notice good and people notice authenticity. And if we can be more true to that, we're going to have a much easier time of making those
1: right choices. I love this topic for teens because their choices can be so heavily influenced by those who surround them.
0: Exactly. And I am actually interviewing my sister who is a person who I feel just has such a threshold of zero she is somebody who just marches to the beat of her own drum and you guys are gonna love her I know I love her I can't wait to hear what you guys talk about Mackenzie welcome to the podcast thank you We're so excited. Mackenzie Kerr is a recently graduated college student from BYU, Idaho. She graduated in recreation management. She served a mission in Arizona for a year and a half for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints. Mackenzie's going to tell you two stories. One of the stories is just to help kind of give you an idea of the type of person Mac is. And then the second story kind of brings this home into why that's important to try to do the right thing in the right moment. But Mackenzie, tell us about when you were a cheerleader in middle school.
2: (laughs) All right. So as a clarification, I never was a cheerleader. I just tried to participate in cheerleading. (laughs) I think I was in eighth grade the last year of middle school. We used to go into the basketball games and cheer on the, the C team. So there's the A team, the B team, and the C team. We would go and support the C team that was in the other gym. It was just, you know, much less glamorous. But there were cheerleaders in there, kind of a small group of cheerleaders. And just to kind of be funny, I just decided to go start cheering with some of the cheerleaders and So I kind of stood up there and started doing some of the cheers with them and kind of honestly being a little bit of a spaz, but at the same time, you know, my friends loved it. They thought it was hilarious. We were just getting people involved and people hyped for the C-team basketball team. So that happened once or twice where we would just go and just like really get really into these C-team basketball games. I started to get much more involved that it was like a regular thing. And really involved. (laughs) Really involved. And again, I was not on the cheer squad. Just not even sort of on the cheer squad. But I had found Erica's old cheerleading outfits from when she was in middle school. I'm seven years older than Mackenzie. And
0: when I had this cheerleading outfit, it was like the hand-me-down for years and years and years. So these were basically like 80s track suits that were like they kind of go, <laughs> when you rub them together, like, not a sweatsuit. <laughs> it was it was ugly when I wore it. Then seven years later.
2: <laughs> yeah, they were the swishy. It was a swishy track suit that, ye- that was yellow and purple. It was absolutely atrocious. And we knew it. And it was, made it that much better. So I came to school wearing this outfit. I, like, went full-blown into this character wore the whole cheerleading outfit I had pom-poms and everything you had oh yeah the huge huge ones yeah
0: yeah these were like had been updated since so the other cheerleaders had way better outfits
2: oh yeah cute outfits smaller pom-poms I was full-blown like 90s cheerleader in this moment we had people coming out just simply to like to kind of watch me and just get hyped at these basketball games and It got to the point where there was a basketball game one afternoon and I had to go support my team. So I rode my electric scooter all the way back to school and I was cheering on the C team and I actually even like went so far as to take the liberty to perform during halftime. Oh my God. (laughs) Where I mostly just like did really terrible toe touches and somersaults on the gym floor. So really, like, it was mostly a joke, but the cheerleaders loved it. My friends loved it, and it was just kind of to have fun and be there for this team. But my friends went so far as to kind of encourage me to go into the big gym where the A team and the B team would play. I felt this boost of confidence, and I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to go out there, and I'm just going to join the cheerleaders and just do my thing. So I went out there, and I start... (laughs) I start cheering, and I make eye contact with the with the cheer coach on the other side of the gym, and she has no idea really that I've been doing this. But I make eye contact with her, and one of the cheerleaders that was friends with me, she goes, "Mac, run, get out of here!" <laughs> and so I take off and go running back into the into the small gym back with the C team and the cheer coach. She follows me. She comes up to me and I'm kind of trying to hide from her, but she comes up to me. She goes, you know, it's not you, but you just don't have enough practices to be on the cheer team. She's like, there's nothing wrong with you or what you're doing. She's like, you just don't have enough practices to be (laughs) participating in the cheer team. And I was just like, devastated. (laughs) Like, I tried to play it off like, oh, whatever, you know, like, oh, I got kicked out, you know, from doing whatever, from cheering, but I was, like, not even on the cheer squad, and I just got kicked off and stuff, but in reality, I was for sure, like, kind of devastated. It really became something that, like, I loved to do. It made people laugh. It just was fun, and it was kind of something that came to an end really abruptly, and (laughs) just a little ridiculous, and I remember I went to go ride my scooter home and my scooter (laughs) the battery had died (laughs) and I pushed it all the way home and when it rains
0: it pours (laughs)
2: it's so true just kind of miserable in my tracksuit, and I got home and I remember sitting down at the dinner table and my parents asked me you know how was your day Mackenzie and I just was like oh I got kicked off the cheer squad and both of them were like when were you on the cheer squad? And it just was this kind of like secret life that I, that I had lived and it was pretty funny. It was a good time. And when I think back to it, like that really was like one of the times of my life where I'm like, I wish I was like that all the time still, you know, I always felt
0: like you were somebody in middle school and high school that was braver and sure of who you were than I was when I was in high school. And I always admired that about you. I love this story because it's so funny, but I also just love that it just shows the type of person that you are, that you're brave enough to do something that nobody else would really try to do. But when it really counts, doing something right, that's what this next story is about. As I mentioned, Mackenzie served a mission in Tucson, Arizona, and this next story takes place while she was on her mission. Go
2: ahead. All right. So... As a missionary, you know, we we dedicate ourselves to the work that we're doing. We leave our families. We leave everything behind. We commit to serving Jesus Christ and being a representative of him and trying to help other people come close to him. In my first area in Tucson, I, you know, was brand new to missionary work and still kind of adjusting to being a missionary that's kind of separated from the world. We don't have cell phones or TV or Internet or social media. We're really just dedicated fully to being a missionary. I came to this point where I'm around my peers still, but I noticed that I hadn't quite left the world behind yet. And I had picked up a few habits from some of my peers and just in general that didn't make me look like this representative of Jesus Christ that I wanted to be. It was things kind of like singing popular music or using a lot of slang, movie quotes, things like that, that would just kind of take our focus away from what we were doing. So I made a goal in my mind. I, I wanted to do a, a fast from the world, was what I called it. And it was to just kind of help me focus and force myself to just leave those things behind and hopefully create a habit of of not using slang and making myself be someone more mature and more more righteous and have a better ability to to be a representative of Jesus Christ. And so I came up with this idea and I thought, you know, what better way to do this than to involve my other peers that I'm with, these other missionaries. So I asked my companion to do it with me and she said she totally would do it. Then I came to the elders that were with us, so these male missionaries, and I really liked these guys. They were fun. They were cool. They really liked me and really embraced me even as a new missionary. But they were also the ones who had kind of gotten me to use a lot of slang like fetch and freak and those kinds of things. So we went, sat down to lunch one day with them. And I told her, I said, hey, you know, I really thought about this. I want to change some of my thoughts and actions so that I can be more focused on missionary work. So I gave them this proposal that we could help each other be accountable and just call each other out if we make any slips. These two boys just looked at me and just were like, no, no way. We are not doing that. That's too hard. They said that they didn't want to stop using the word fetch and that it was, it was stupid. And then the real clincher for me was the moment that they told me that if I stopped quoting movies, that I wouldn't be funny anymore. And I consider myself a funny person. I, I definitely would consider myself someone with a good sense of humor. And movie quotes really is somewhere where I draw a lot of humor from. And so the moment that they said, you're not going to be funny anymore, that really hit home where I was like, maybe I'm not going to be funny anymore, you know, but I really felt like it was something that I should do. And I just rolled my eyes and said, okay, fine, I'll do it on my own. I knew that it was something that would benefit me. And so I committed to it. And it took only a few days of really holding myself to this goal that these things didn't even cross my mind anymore. Slang wasn't even a part of my speech. Movie quotes just kind of faded into the background. And then me and my companion, we talked about a lot more positive things like the people who we were working with and experiences that we were having. It just became something that was a huge anchor for me for the rest of my mission. It really set the tone for the whole rest of my mission. It was something that showed me that if I put my mind to something, that I can achieve it, that I can change who I am, because that really was what my mission became for me was, you know, I was there to serve other people. But in reality, I changed so much myself. That was really one of the greatest blessings that came from my mission. And, and that was the first turning point was when I committed myself to dedicating myself to the work. It really happened. And I mentioned this story later on to those elders. They kind of roll their eyes, but they both have apologized to me that they did that and they discouraged me from doing something that was so positive. It was really a good experience to just kind of see that it didn't matter what anybody else thought. That if it was beneficial for me, that was what just needed to happen. It was a great experience. It really, really changed my life just
0: to clarify for everyone listening these are two guys who are awesome people that have been they were dedicating their lives to this is just something that was an extra level and it sometimes is hard to do things that you know are good or right even when good people around you are discouraging you sometimes you just have to have that threshold of zero and just do it anyways because you know it's right it's something that really takes a lot of effort but it usually ends up really blessing our lives It's always so hard for us to do that because we really want other people around us to want to do good with us, but that sometimes doesn't happen. So I love that story. Thank you so much for sharing. Of course. Mac, if you could tell your teenage self one thing, what would you tell yourself?
2: just not care so much let it go and I think back to the person that I was in middle school and then the person that I was in high school and the person that I am now sandwiched in between that is somebody who wasn't as authentic and wasn't as secure I just would definitely say to myself to just not sweat so much of the small things and if you just ride the ride you know you don't get too high on the highs you don't get too low on the lows I love it. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us, and we really appreciate you. Of course. Thanks for having me.
0: Okay, listeners. I hope that those examples and stories helped you think of a few times in your life when you wish you would have had a threshold of zero, when you wish you would have stood up for something you know is right. I want to challenge you to sit down and write down one thing that you are going to have a threshold of zero for, whether it's standing up for somebody who's being bullied, or choosing not to participate in drugs or alcohol, or maybe it's just not using swear words. Whatever it is, I want you to write it down, and then I want you to practice what you're going to do in those situations. Practice what you're going to say, and be ready for it so that you don't have to worry about it when those situations come. You've practiced. You know what to do. And yeah, the details might be different, but you know what you're doing, and you know what you are doing is right. Making good decisions doesn't always have a positive outcome immediately, but it does have a long-term positive outcome. You become the person who you are and the person who you are always meant to become.
1: I told you that you would just love Erica. Make sure to check out Erica's next episode, I Will Not Be Influenced, and the final episode of this mini-series, Real Fun.